Welcome to the Battery Technology Podcast, sponsored by Munters, experts in climate control systems for safe, high-quality battery cell production and R&D, delivering stable, low dew point conditions whilst minimising energy use. Episode 7, Advances and Approaches to Battery Cooling. For battery manufacturers and end users, the issue of cooling is business critical. EV batteries have a specific operating range which is essential to maintain for both battery life and performance. In short, better control over battery temperature improves both of these parameters. Batteries generate heat naturally in their operation and operating temperature must be restricted to these safe operating ranges. Failure to do so risks thermal runaway, a chain reaction that leads to both destruction of the battery pack itself, but also catastrophic failure of the system and with considerable consequential safety risk of fire and explosion. Considerable research is underway to improve cooling technologies used in EV batteries. And today I'm joined by Dr. Mohamed Magimi. He's the Associate Professor of Clean Energy Technology at Staffordshire University in the UK to discuss the work he and his team are involved with developing new and innovative technologies to improve cooling in the most cost-effective way. I am very pleased indeed to be joined by Mohamed Magimi. Mohamed is the Associate Professor of Clean Energy Technologies at Staffordshire University in the UK and has been actively involved in the design and optimization of renewable energy technologies for many years. And I know most recently has been doing a lot of work in innovative cooling technologies. I met Mohamed at the Battery Tech Expo in Silverstone a few weeks ago, and we had a very interesting discussion about the cooling technology work he's been doing. So I am very pleased to welcome to the Battery Technology Podcast, Dr. Mohamed Megimi, Mohammed, pleased to see you again. Nice meeting you again, Ken, and thank you for, uh, for having me. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to having a further discussion and this discussion in your interesting podcast about battery technologies and thermal management technologies in this field. And it's a big issue, of course. One of the things I wanted just to kind of get a feel for before we got into the detail of the work you're doing, which is fascinating, is the temperature vulnerability of batteries why thermal management in batteries is so critical and what can go wrong if that's not managed in an effective way obviously you've been working in the field of batteries for a long time what what are the thermal management issues that ev producers battery producers have got to be cognizant of to explain it in in very simple words the batteries are very sensitive to the temperature that they have so we have to consider that the temperature of the batteries, as soon as the batteries starts running, the temperature of batteries starts raising. And by raising the temperature of the batteries, the, the electrical performance of batteries drops. So in a simple way, so if you have a battery which runs at the temperature, for example, 25 to 40, which is usually at the optimum temperature range of the batteries, if uh, you are uh, running a battery at 55 degrees centigrade, then the mileage that you expect to gain from that battery, it would be much 
lower than the same battery that is running at, for example, 25 degrees centigrade. So that's one impact. But so far, that impact doesn't have any health concern. It just has a concern on the mileage. The, the, the electrical performance of the battery drops by the increase in the temperature. But the, the most concerning part is as soon as it hits a specific temperature, for example, during charging, uh, depends on the battery manufacturers, uh, they have some threshold, for example, 60 degrees centigrade uh, during this charging. As soon as it hits that range, there is a danger of thermal runaway, which uh, in a simple words, it means that that battery or electrical vehicle or any immobilities that we are dealing with, they are exposed to having an explosion and they may uh, fire. So that's the main risk that we have to always uh, avoid it. And uh, that's the, the major concerns of all the manufacturers and try to cool and uh, manage the thermal performance of the battery as much as they can to make sure that they never ever hit the thermal runaway while they are keeping the performance of the battery at the optimum uh, level, which helps their immobility to have the highest performance. I understand. So. So the natural chemistry of lithium ion cells, the movement of electrons and lithium ions just produces, well, it produces electricity, but at the same time as a byproduct, it's producing heat. Exactly. You you hit the right terms, in, I mean, in practically and technically. I, I didn't go to that details because I, I didn't know that your audience knowledge in, in that regard. But Ken, you hit it and you were exactly right that the chemist and the electrical uh, chemistry that the, the battery has the interactions of anode and cathode and the uh, movement of electron between them it generates some heat and this uh, process of heat generation eventually needs to be addressed properly uh, to make sure that the electrical performance of the battery would be at the optimum level right so and just before we leave the issue, because clearly there's, there's certainly two issues and potentially three issues with, with this, this heat issue. Uh, obviously, clearly there's a performance issue that's important. There's clearly a critical safety issue because, you know, if we do get into this thermal runaway scenario, uh, we're talking about excessive heat. We're talking about risk of explosion. We're talking about debris, you know, catastrophic mm. failure. You're right. Um, I guess the third thing, which I'd be interested to know whether this is a factor, is does excess heat affect the thermal aging of a battery in the sense exactly. of does it actually mean that battery's life cycle is changed exactly. in a fundamental way? As you mentioned, the, the life cycle of the battery is also significantly degraded but if they, they regularly run at the high temperatures. Also, there is another effect that I didn't address it earlier, and if the battery also run at very low temperature, also the performance drops. So for example, I'm, I'm sure that almost all your audience may have experienced it in their, their life that uh, in the early morning in a winter day, they may have a, a dead battery in their car and the, the engine wouldn't start. And the reason for that is, again, the temperature is significantly below the optimum temperature of that battery that they have in, in their vehicle. Uh, and also, this is another thing that it must be addressed. So a, ma a manufacturer always try, try to keep the temperature of the battery at the optimum level. So sometimes they come up with electrical blanket idea, for example, for very cold weather like Canada or 
very cold uh, climate and that electrical blanket or electrical wiring which is around the batteries it consumes some electricity inside the batteries to keep the temperature of that battery high and keep it warm to make sure that it lives at the optimum temperature and you don't have a dead battery for example in early winter on the other hand they also try to keep it cool when the temperature rise so they always try to make sure that the temperature will um, the temperature of the battery always uh, would be within the specific range that they designed their battery for that makes perfect sense and just before we leave it just so i understand the chemistry of this the thermal runaway scenario is that simply caused by any increase in temperature increases the energy of any system then increases the temperature that in, in turn increases the energy within that system and we just go on a on a exponential growth of energy within the system or is there something else going on you you are uh, exactly mentioned uh, that the majority of the thermal runaway happens and occurs under this condition that you you mentioned but for example there are some other conditions that they may lead to the thermal runaway for example if your battery uh, was in an uh, incident and for example if there was a dent in the battery or if there was a hole in the battery these uh, also may lead to these thermal runaway in a cell as well but you correctly mentioned the majority of the cases the thermal runaway happens due to the temperature and rising in the temperature which goes beyond the treasure hold of the, the safety treasure hold of the battery so clearly cooling is critical in fact we can't have we can't have lithium ion batteries without it uh, and therefore a great deal of science a great deal of technology and a great deal of research is going into the best options managing this critical factor of thermal management before we get into the specifics and details of the work you're doing it might be worth just setting that within the context of the options available to ev manufacturers battery manufacturers for systems that provide cooling can you just talk me through the kind of general, at high level, the general kind of ideas and options that are available? So in general, uh, the battery thermal management systems, or BTMS, includes two main streams and two main approaches for the, uh, addressing that issue. One of them is called active cooling, okay? And the other one is called passive cooling. So act by active cooling, you have a third-party medium, for example, it could be uh, a fluid, it could be any type of liquid, a gaseous liquid, a gaseous fluid or liquid uh, phase. So okay. you have a liquid, a third-party third liquid, and that liquid via specific uh, drivers, which could be pump or fan, it will run around the battery through a specific channeling to cool it down extract the excess uh, generated heat inside the batteries or they may have some the electric liquid or some specific mineral oil again to go through a specific channel around that and cooling cooling down, uh, cooling down the batteries and eventually uh, it goes back to the system and uh, the, uh, that uh, batteries in the liquid it will be uh, extracted and then you have a cool liquid uh, to go around the battery cells so this is this type of uh, system is called active cooling system that in the, I think, in the 95, 98% of the available technologies in the market, they will go for this 
type of technology. So it could be air, it could be any type of electricity. Does that require a mechanism for extracting the heat out of the material that is being used to take the heat out of the battery itself? What I'm saying is there's some kind of conditioning of that that material uh, either to cool it initially when it goes into the battery or to extract the heat that that material itself extracted from the battery. Is there a secondary mechanism within that system which is extracting the the generated okay. heat out of the system? Again, depends on the manufacturer and depends on the design. For example, sometimes some manufacturer they just place the battery uh, pack underneath the, the vehicle. And then when the car running, the air goes underneath the car and cools down the battery. And automatically it will kind of exhaust it to the, to the uh, environment. So there are different technologies, different designs, and depends on the manufacturer. Uh, it may vary from a vehicle to another vehicle. What is in common between all of them for this type of system, you you may need a third-party fluid, which could be a gaseous or liquidous phase, and then you need a driver. Mm. That driver can be a fan or pump to push that liquid around that battery pack module or cell that you have to cool it down. So you need these elements in order to uh, cool down your system. That describes an active battery thermal management system but there's an alternative which is yes. passive so let's talk about how that works so in passive cooling against the active cooling the fluid that you uh, you may have or the the material that you may have around the system it doesn't need any specific driver so by okay. that driver you don't need any fan you don't need any pump and the system itself self-replenish the temperature there are different designs for that regard for example you may have a heat pump system or you may have phase change material or there are different systems in that regard to make sure that you don't need any drivers and the system itself can extract the excess heat from the uh, the, the batteries we're not we're talking about a a material that that is not flowing we're talking about it, something that's static it could flow a heat pipe uh, system so in a heat pipe system heat pipe is a very thin pipe and then there is a fluid inside and that fluid depends on the temperature that it has it goes from uh, one end to other end but you can see during this uh, movement you don't have any fan you don't have any, for example, pump. The fluid itself depends on the temperature variation between those two ends moves. But uh, as I said, there are different approaches you can have for passive cooling. For example, phase chain material, heat pump, or different other sources. And for these type of technologies, for these uh, brands of technologies, you don't have any driver, any mechanical or physical driver which is out there to run the fluid around the system. That suggests to, to someone who's, who's not well-versed in th these things, advantages that I can think of initially of a 
passive system compared to an active system in the sense of it sounds inherently simpler in the sense of you've got less mechanical complexity. Secondly, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but but of course there's often a, a factor of weight and volume and things like that in terms of battery systems. Potentially, I mean, does this have a positive effect on that as well? I mean, just... You are totally right. I mean, the main advantage of these passive systems, especially the ones that we are working with that we're going to discuss further, is, as you mentioned correctly, the system eventually would be much more simplified. Simplification, it is it is essence for production because if you have a much more simpler uh, product, your cost for sure would be reduced. The maintenance, it would be much more easier. So first of all, by having a passive system, you are getting rid of all those channelings that uh, uh, it is associated with active cooling system. You are getting rid of the driver fan pumps or whatever. You don't need those third-party uh, fluids. And in addition to that, you can reduce the weight of your system to uh, improve the performance of the system because by reducing the, the weight, you know, for example, if you are driving an EV and if that EV is supposed to carry 500 kg of passengers, uh, on it or 100 kg of passengers on it for sure that the one with 100 it has a higher mileage with the same uh, level of charging with the same system so at the end of the day much more simplification lower weight lower cost much more uh, and much easier maintenance it means that you have a you benefited the end users so i guess the other side of that coin is what is the comparable performance, though? Because clearly I can see advantages in terms of passive to active, in terms of the things you've just okay. described. Are they comparable in terms of their actual cooling performance, though? Okay, so in that regard, uh, there are different designs that up to about six months ago, almost all the companies, they just think either they must be active or at least they must have an essence of active cooling in the system. So even if they would, would like to go to the passive uh, cooling, they kind of uh, combine it with uh, some elements of active cooling to ensure that they wouldn't uh, uh, lead to the thermal runaway in their system. However, uh, recently with some of the studies uh, that it had been done all around the world and the companies... Uh, get this confidence that yeah, there is this possibility to go for just passive cooling. And as I mentioned to you, one uh, company recently, they announced that they have, they just went for pure passive cooling system. So, so passive cooling is the kind of holy grail. If it's possible to reach a, a cooling capability, capacity, that is at least the same as or beyond active cooling, then that is a significant step forward in terms of cooling technology. If you don't mind, I would like to mention the, the works that we are doing in my research team. Let's do that. Uh, so the work that we are doing in my research team is based on the phase change material uh, system. And in the design that we came up with, we have proved that even under the harshest drivers and driving cycles, you can significantly improve the performance of the battery up to 240 percent 
even under the harshest driving cycles and in the casual driving cycles uh, you can improve the performance of the battery by 500 percent so compared to compared to what so compared to the performance of what an active cooled system or a non-cooled system uh, compared to the non-cool system so the essence of those works that we did we didn't want to mention that the passive cooling is the best system and the best approach that all the manufacturers would like to, uh, should go to into that direction we just wanted to prove the practicality of passive cooling we just wanted to mention that this is this approach is also available and it is practical it can helps you i understand that so one of the things that I think would be really interesting to define before we get into the detail of the work you're doing, which is really interesting, is this idea of phase change and what phase change means. I mean, I remember it back from my university days, but you know that was a long time ago, so it would be worth me getting understanding that a bit, bit better. What is the thermodynamics, if you like, of phase change and how does that help cooling technology okay to answer your question i would like to use a very simple analogy here almost all of us in our regular life and in our daily life we come across one type of for example uh, phase change material for example one of the most uh, available one that we come across them in our daily life is ice so we have ice and the ice in the initial phase is a solid phase and then when it uh, when you for example take it out from the uh, freezer and leave it outside in contact with that ambient temperature it changes phase from solid to liquid and this process is called phase change so phase change may happen to everything that you are it is around you almost every material let's call it almost uh, so we can say that almost all materials that we have, for example, plastic, everything, they may change their phases from solid to liquid, liquid uh, to solid and vice versa. And they have just the temperature range that they require for this process. It would vary. So why phase change would be very important for this process and why we can rely on these, the phase change? Because when you have a material which they change their phases during this process of changing phase the temperature of that material during that process wouldn't change for mm -hmm. example the ice that i mentioned earlier when it melts from uh, solid to liquid the temperature of the uh, that entire medium it would be zero degree centigrade so that's the the fact that we would uh, we want uh, we wanted to use in our system we said okay if this is available uh, around us why we are not looking for a material that can be melted at the optimum temperature of a battery so if we can equip our batteries with a material that can be melted at the optimum temperature of uh, uh, operating temperature of the batteries it means that as soon as the ba um, batteries heats up and it would like to deviate from that optimum temperature level the heat it will be extracted from the battery and 
start, cha start changing the phase of that material without affecting the battery temperature or in other words by keeping the, te uh, the battery temperature at a constant level we are extracting the excess heat generated in the, ba uh, the battery and keeping the battery temperature at the optimum level this was the essence of the study that we wanted to work uh, on so just again just for my understanding of that chemistry or the physics of that really is excess heat being used by the material to change phase and that's all it's doing in the sense of it's staying at the same temperature but actually it's the actual change of phase which is using the excess energy exactly exactly you, you mentioned it uh, correctly that we are extracting excess heat from the battery to change the phase of that uh, material now this it has another second important point here do you remember earlier when i uh, when i told you that in cold climate the manufacturer requires for example some wires or, or some blanket heated blanket around the batteries to keep them and make sure that the temperature will keep at the optimum level with mm -hmm. that idea which i told you with that pcm idea or phase change material idea we already excess we already uh, extract the excess heat from the battery we store it in that pcm or phase change material and change its phase from solid to liquid and now even the it has a secondary important effect which can act as a blanket thermal blanket because it already have some energy inside some thermal energy inside that pcm which means in a very cold climate you don't need that thermal blanket because it already can be converted from liquid phase to the solid phase and still make sure that the battery would keep warm even in the cold climate and there's a couple of questions that spring to mind on that once that material has changed phase from solid to liquid let's say does that finish its ability to convert more energy or are we talking about a material that is changing gradually and there's always some capacity left within that material in solid form that can absorb any excess energy in the system okay so to, an uh, to answer your question first i have to introduce two uh, physical concepts the latent heat is uh, referred to the heat which used for uh, changing the phases. And after the phase, after the, uh, for example, let's get back to the, the ice uh, analogy that I mentioned earlier. You have an ice cube, it's going to melt until eventually it's going to fully melt it. Okay. During this process, which it melts, the temperature, as I mentioned to you, it wouldn't change. The temperature stayed the same. But as soon as it got fully melted, there is no capacity, no latent heat capacity in the system. So by heating it up, the temperature of that liquid rise. Okay. So back to your question is, in, uh, in our works, we equipped uh, the battery cells with the uh, PCM material. Depends on the size, we prove that even under the harshest driving cycle, under consecutive, for example, charging, discharging process, it can, uh, we have enough PCM 
that can be melted and still keep the temperature of the battery at the optimum level. But we, uh, under some cases, we had seen that, yeah, the temperature, uh, uh, the, I mean, the, the entire PCM would be melted. And as soon as it got fully melted, the temperature starts uh, going up. Now, the point is here, when it got fully melted, the temperature it would be, for example, let's say 25 degree, a still from 25 degree to 60 degree, which would be, for example, the uh, usual thermal runaway under the discharge of the battery, you have enough capacity inside the battery. So we're going to say, we're going to use that margin, that's a safety margin, that when the PCM got fully melted, still we, we will show that it wouldn't hit the thermal runaway. I mean, when it's fully melted, the, the temperature, for example, might be 25 degree, but still you have enough time and to, to run your battery to, for example, uh, play with your battery for whatever, and the temperature goes from 25 to 60 degree uh, without having any concerns of thermal runaway in your system. One of the things that struck me there is, I mean, is there any degradation in that system in the sense of does the latent heat capacity of this system degrade over time? Is it is it actually just the okay. product of physics and therefore will always so, be constant? I mean, how does that how does that work? So, first of all, I have to mention that we are at the um, very early stage of these type of feasibility studies. We had so far we had conducted eight type of studies. Uh, for different scenarios under different conditions, under uh, uh, different drive cycles, for example, long journeys of uh, consecutive charging, discharging, and there are different topics that we are currently working. We haven't started working with degradation yet, but uh, yeah. the earliest uh, stage studies that I had done and used those uh, PCMs for another application, for another engineering application, they proved me that that degradation can work uh, and that type of PCM can work up to 10,000 hours of working and operate, uh, operating conditions of charging, discharging. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that, but, but sorry, but charging, discharging, uh, I have to mention here that I'm referring to the thermal energy storage. I'm referring to the PCM. Charging, discharging means melting solidification mm -hmm. here. And do not uh, get confused not, with charging, not, discharging not in the battery, battery itself. Yeah. yeah. So it shows us to 10,000 hours, it can go through that without any uh, uh, specific degradation. And after that, still, you can you know, rely on the system. But as I mentioned to you earlier, we haven't actually used it and tested it for the battery system itself. We used it for another engineering application earlier. So... Um, it might be worth just explaining where you are in the development phase, how far away you are from industrialization. Just, just give me a sense of that, if you can, Mohammed. Okay, so in regard to technology readiness levels, we are at the level two. We are still in the feasibility studies, but the idea, the uh, final idea that we have is collaborating with industrial partner and building these type of cells. Because... So far, I haven't discussed with you in uh, in details, but uh, my PhD students, uh, as well as my postgraduate students, all of them, they are working on different aspects of 
this uh, idea to see whether we can have a regular lithium-ion batteries and equip it with these type of PCMs and with these designs that we come up with. And at the end of the day, we have a cell which already have a thermal management system on it. So why it is important? Because the reason that it is important, in addition to the simplicity, cost, as well as the maintenance that I had mentioned earlier, it has the very uh, interesting and important impact, which would be the environmental impact, because the design, the final design that uh, we can come up with, the module or pack that can be built up with these type of uh, cells, which they already have, the thermal management system on it, if something happened to your module or your pack, you don't need to get rid of the entire module or pack uh, and dump it for recycling, which has a significant environmental impact as well as cost for end users. You just need to replace a few of those cells. So simply what you do, you uh, because we, we have the design, which is called clip design. So we have two plates and uh, a bunch of those cells placed in, uh, between those two plates that they clip on, on top of each other. So if something happened to few of those cells, you don't need to get rid of the entire module. Simply, even a, a simple mechanic in a garage can unclip those uh, plates, open it, replace those cells, as simple as that, clip it, put it back in the car. So at the end of the day, instead of, for example, dumping an entire module, you will dump a few cells. So yeah. the environmental impact, because one of the current issue with the, uh, with our EVs and lithium ion batteries nowadays it has it it is uh, the environmental impact. The recycling of those batteries it would have a minimal impact on the system on the environment. You're absolutely right about that, and the secret to that, in the way you've just described it, is because each of the battery cells is self sufficient in thermal management rather exactly. than at a at a pack level or at a module level. Exactly, 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 you're right. And then, again, uh, against those active cooling, in those active cooling, you have a bunch of cells which rely on the channeling, which rely on the fluid. And then, for example, if you would like to maintain that, first you have to drain the, the fluid, then you have to uh, somehow open the, the battery modular pack without damaging those channeling, and then you have to replace it, which at the end of the day, it wouldn't be uh, practical. And most of the time, you can't do it. Two of the important critical chemistries in the work you're doing is the is the nature of the phase change material. You know, what is the phase change material? What what properties does it have? How do you find them? And I guess the other technology is the thermal jacket technology, in the sense of the you then you need the right level of thermal conductivity in that interface i presume can you just talk to those subjects i mean and again i appreciate the fact that some of this thing you don't necessarily want to share with the world uh it is a bit tough to explain it while not <laughs> revealing <laughs> everything but uh, you you are correctly mentioned there are uh lots of issues in the in regards with that uh, design that we are coming with that how we can what the barrier what type of barrier we supposed to use between the PCM itself and the battery to not have a corrosion erosion effect and it has a good thermal conductivity 
and also the, the PCM itself, uh, also uh, would the PCM have, for example, some hazardous impacts, some uh, environmental impact. There are lots of things that we have to consider to simplify the designs of the electric um, e-mobilities. We want to make sure that the over maintenance, it would be much more easier. The cost, it would be much more lower. Uh, the weight, it would be much more uh, lower in the system. Uh, and as I said, we, we at the end of the day, the designs that we have, it would be, it would have the minimum environmental impact on the planet. And for that technology, we are keen to collaborate with any industries. And we are really interested if there are manufacturers out there, if any EV industry out there that would like to collaborate, uh, we are open to that collaborate and they can drop us email, they can contact me and uh, we are open to any collaboration. But at this stage, I'd rather to not reveal all the technical details of that. I absolutely respect that. And of course, all your contact details will be in the show notes in the podcast. I'll make sure that that happens. Um, but what you have found is that there are grounds for optimism that indicate from the work you've done that phase change materials in a passively designed system can deliver significant advantages in terms of battery performance and safety. We would like to prove this practicality because, again, I emphasize this fact that at the end of the day, we would like to have a minimum environmental impact. We would like to have very simplified uh, system which enhance the productivity, which enhance the uh, production, and which enhance the maintenance, which also reduce the cost, the eventual cost. For example, if you're end user, your battery pack, uh, you need, for example, imagine that you need to replace your battery pack. It costs a head, <laughs> it costs really a fortune, fortune for that. But we would mm. like to minimize that cost, that impact on the end user. We would like to make sure that the end user, they just need to replace a few cells rather than the entire pack because there are still some good cells in there. So why they need, why they should replace the entire module? Why they should replace the entire pack? Right. Now, is, and is it impossible? Or not impossible, is it impractical to provide active thermal management at a cell level, but much easier to provide passive thermal management at a cell level? Is that a, the big critical difference? Uh, I'm not saying that it is not possible for active cooling. The, the issue it would be those channeling that you have for active cooling, for fluid. If you want to open it up, yeah, they are much more complex. Again, there, there would be some challenge for draining the liquid. Again, they, there might be some challenge to make sure that the liquid level that you have for, for your system is, at the, uh, as, is adequate enough for the thermal uh, uh, management of the system. So at the end of the day, it would be very complex. I'm not saying that it is impossible, for sure. And to me, impossible doesn't exist. So for sure, there must be a way for active cooling, but I don't think this conventional approach that we have in their designs may address that. They may need to think out of the box, if they would like to go for active cooling, think out of the box to address that issue. 
as far as I know, to, be, to the best of my knowledge, it is, there is nothing available in the market. To, to the best of my knowledge, there might be, but to the best of knowledge, there, there isn't available. So kind of in conclusion, from, from your research, from the work you're doing, passive tooling using phase change materials potentially has a significant competitive advantage in terms of performance yes. over active systems for all the reasons we've discussed in the mm. course of the last 30 minutes. Yes, it has a significant impact. It has a significant environmental impact. I'm emphasizing yeah. on environmental because nowadays it is a very big challenge for recycling those batteries. It has a significant yeah. environmental impact. It has a significant cost impact. And it has a significant performance, which proves the practicality of this system and which proves that it is a system that the, the manufacturer can rely on. I knew this would be a fascinating conversation uh, when we met at the uh, when we met at the at the exhibition a couple of weeks ago, and it has been. Uh, I guess the, the way we should leave this in terms of how confident do you feel about the next steps, and you know, what are the next steps for you, and how how are you taking this forward in terms of commercialization? So uh, at this stage, we are looking for. Uh some industry partners to collaborate with us and uh, hopefully and uh, we are also applying for a couple of governmental funds who knows maybe we can uh, mass product <laughs> this idea and uh, changing the markets thank you for uh, explaining it in terms that a relatively uh, lay person like myself uh, can understand but i've certainly understood the work you're doing there and it, and it is it's fascinating and I, I sincerely hope the work you're doing comes to fruition because i think it's got some very interesting advantages thank you so much for having me and i really enjoyed uh, having a chat uh, with you i'm looking forward for further podcasts and uh, update you with uh, of the latest technology de development in this field with our research team. Again, thank you so much for having me and I wish you best of the best for you and all your nice aud audiences out there. Fantastic. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. Take care, cheers, it was my pleasure. Battery Technology Podcast is a copyrighted GSE Media Limited production. For more details on how to reach us, you'll find our contact details in the show notes or at our website, www.batterytechnologypodcast.com.